I'm sitting here wondering, like, maybe the IRS should launch a co-brand credit card. <laughs> this is the IRS Platinum card. Like, cardholders automatically get their tax filing date deferred to October 15th and earn 3x points on all tax payments made to the government. Welcome to Take Off, a points and miles podcast by 10x Travel. I'm your host, Bryce Conway. Today, I'm joined with Emily and Matt. Travis is off this week. Normally, I ask how everyone's doing, but I'm going to skip that right now because I have a more fun intro question here in just a moment. But before I get to that, I want to mention that if you are still new to Points and Miles or just feel like you could use a refresher, we recommend going back and listening to episodes one through six of our show where we cover the basics, the fundamentals of Points and Miles. And for any other lingering questions, be sure to bring them to our Facebook group, the largest Points and Miles Facebook group on the planet, which is now officially over 300,000 members. You can get help there with pretty much anything that you need. So back to the question. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about paying taxes with a credit card. Taxes, not the most fun thing to talk about. So I wanted to sprinkle in a little bit of fun in this episode. And my question is this, what is your go-to karaoke song? Like if you were pushed up right now onto a stage at a karaoke bar and it's like, hey, what do I play? What are you going to do? While you think about that, I'll tell you mine and I'll actually, I'll share some other karaoke related stuff here in just a moment. But mine (laughs) is Friday by Rebecca Black because of the cringe that you get bought from everyone when you put that on. But that was a, that song was a banger in my era, somewhat sarcastically, but uh, it's, it's got some, you know, it's got some zip to it uh but yeah that's usually what i go with friday by rebecca black look that one up on youtube if you're not familiar it's it's something i'm scared of the person who isn't familiar (laughs) (laughs) i feel like that song took over but maybe you know maybe we'll we'll find some people (laughs) (laughs) be sure to share in the comments yeah if you are also a fan so that i feel less weird Mm mm-hmm can you have a go-to karaoke song if you've never done karaoke and don't intend on changing that anytime in the future? I, I know what we're doing at the next meetup, though. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm trying to wonder how we can make <laughs> you do karaoke here. You, you can. If I had None? to pick one, okay. and, and this is completely hypothetical because I wouldn't, I'd pick Copperhead Road by Earl because everybody would get up and be dancing within probably 30 seconds. So it would take, take me out of the spotlight. I don't know how that one goes. Could you... Could you sing it for us? Yeah, I don't, I'm not familiar with it enough. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to scare Emily, the, about you? the listeners and the watchers. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I have like also not done a ton of karaoke in my life, but I think that's the way it is by Celine Dion would be a big hit. The way it is. that one. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah. So that would be my go-to. Noted. I'm going to save that somewhere (laughs) because karaoke will happen in the future, maybe on this podcast. (laughs) But I'm actually, I'm going to kind of kick off this podcast, a little bit of karaoke of sorts, be ready for, for a little bit of cringe here. And there's a decent chance that this next part might be edited out. But the topic of today is paying your taxes with a credit card. And I was reminded of a certain jingle that people will probably be more familiar with than any song that we've ever mentioned here for karaoke. I'm not going to say the name of the company that used this jingle because I don't know about the legality of that. But anyway, here I go. I'm about to sing on a podcast. Ready? (laughs) 
I have a pending tax bill and I need points now. Call 10X Travel. This episode starts now. This episode starts now. Wow. With that said, we're going to dive into the main episode content. And I'm going to start oh, wow. wondering about how to rescue my social life after I just <laughs> put that out into the world. I have so. no idea how to follow up after that one. Yep. I yep. do. Here's what we're going to do in today's episode. First, we're going to sing. Check. Done. Next, we're talking taxes, income tax, property tax. There's a fair amount of taxes that that most adults in the United States of America end up paying at some point or another. We're going to talk about how you can pay some of those with a credit card, get the most value of it as we kind of approach this tax season and making sure that you're prepared for any taxes that you might owe related to this hobby. Nothing super serious, but there is one particular thing that you do need to be aware of. Before we go too much farther into this, I do want to mention that None of this is official tax advice. The, I think I speak on behalf of all of us here when yeah. I say that none of us are lawyers, accountants, anything like that. At least one of us was a C minus student in accounting in college. So <laughs> the world does not want me to be an accountant. But everything you're about to hear is for educational and informational purposes only. And please don't sue us because you took tax advice from this episode. Or because from someone I who just ears with that song. Yeah. 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 <laughs> when in doubt, refer to the jingle. And use yeah. that to assess any recommendation or information that you heard. I'm going to blame that on like AI creation. I was like, I didn't do that. Someone that's fake. <laughs> so of course the big one that comes up generally this time of year is income tax. A, a fair amount of people are going to have to make a sizable payment for their taxes by April 15th. Some might be already on the ball looking to do so now. And this for a lot of folks I would imagine is maybe the single largest expense that they're going to have of the entire year that can be put on a credit card. There are a few different ways that you can pay income tax using a credit card. In fact, three popular websites, so much so that they're actually on the IRS official website as being options for to, to use a credit card to pay. And to go through those, I guess let's let's split them up. You want to each take one? They're yeah. pretty similar. Emily, why don't you go first? Grab yeah. whichever one you like. Um, so I'm going to grab the one that I have used previously, which is pay1040.com. I've used that one before as a contractor. I didn't owe a huge amount of taxes, but enough that I could meet a, a sign-up bonus. So I opted to to go through that website. Currently, they're they're charging one point eight percent, one point eight seven percent fee on top of whatever taxes you owe if you pay with a credit card. So we'll talk a, a lot about the fees today, but just keep an eye out for that and know that it's not a a free option. Yeah, really, none of these are free, but we will kind of dive into the mechanics of the fee and how to think about that here in a minute. Sorry, Matt, go ahead. PayUSAtax.com is another one, and they actually just recently dropped their fee, which is kind of surprising to me. I want to say it used to be 1.95, 1.97, something like that, but it's now 1.82%. So it's now the lowest of the three sort of approved IRS payment providers and processors for processing your taxes. So yeah, that's PayUSAtax.com. And the last one is ACIPayOnline.com. They charge 1.98% to make payments on a credit card for taxes. I actually was browsing around the three of these websites before we started recording today. And they are so similar, like they're almost indistinguishable. And I'm sitting here wondering, why are they free? And why would anyone use anything other than (laughs) PayUSAtax.com this year, right? It's it's cheaper to, to confirm all three except all the major cards. Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, 
as far as I know, this is not treated as like a cash advance or any sort of, you know, off the wall purchase by any of those, you know, issuers or, or payment networks. So I'm not sure why anyone would do anything other than pay usatax.com to do this. I feel like there's a, a metaphor in there somewhere. Like yeah. what's something that's so similar? Like the only reason you would use it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's like gas name. stations, right? You like come yeah. to like the intersection yeah. that every city has, there's four gas stations and it's like, you know, why wouldn't you take the cheapest one? And then you start wondering how much money is it worth for me to like have to turn left versus right? You start thinking like, okay, is it, if it's a dollar cheaper, you know, yeah. which one is a better well, convenience yeah. store or something, but yeah, dollar cheaper would probably make me like drive a few miles down the road. <laughs> that's, Cents cheaper. That, I don't know. <laughs> and ability to do that math while sitting there in the turn lane. Uh, yes. <laughs> would be pretty impressive as well. But yeah. bottom line on, on the three of those really, at least from our standpoint, I see no reason not to use payusatax.com. Just it's the cheapest option. Again, we're going to talk about the fees here in just a minute. Those are all very reasonable fees for using a credit card to make this kind of payment. I feel like in my experience, when you introduce the idea of paying tax with a credit card to most people, they just assume that there's going to be a, a sizable fee that's at least 3% because that's what you encounter in most other places. When you, you, know, you go to pay a bill, oh, convenience fee, use a credit card, 3%. But these uh, percentages are low enough that it, it can actually make sense for, for most points and miles cards, especially in particular situations. But the bottom line there is that this is cheaper than you're probably expecting uh, when you go to make a large payment using a credit card. Okay, now you can do be aware that you can make multiple payments using different credit cards to settle one tax bill, whatever tax bill that might be. There's a limit to this, and that limit is that you can make two payments per period per processor. Let's kind of dive into that a little bit. Per period, for most types of taxes, it's going to be per year. But in some cases, it might actually be per quarter or some other variation. I'm not going to try to go through and explain all of that. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the IRS website that has a chart that'll kind of walk you through that. And I'm kind of a little bit proud of the fact that we're linking to the IRS website in the show notes of our podcast. That's kind of fun. <laughs> But two per period per processor means that the, the average person, if you will, can, can make upwards of six or more payments toward their taxes on credit cards using the three different providers that we just discussed. Now, of course, the fee is a little bit higher on a couple of them, but if you have the ability to split that across multiple cards, it might make sense to pay that higher fee just to be able to accomplish multiple goals with the payment of your taxes. Amount-wise, I don't believe that there's a minimum, at least I haven't read that there is one, there is a maximum or at least a, a number that you hit where you eventually will have to call the processors to make that payment. Some of them mentioned that it was 100,000. One of them mentioned that the limit was 10 million. So I'm <laughs> guessing that someone somewhere has a zero off. But if you're going to make a payment of over 100,000, A, you should probably let your bank know about that. B, I'm impressed by your credit limit. And C, know you that you're probably going to have to call these. Yeah. You should split it up anyways. Yeah. To multiple cards. Uh, so, yeah. and if that's you... Uh, that's, I mean, I don't even know what to say. That's pretty cool. That's a lot of points. Definitely <laughs> split that up. So two per processor, that's up to six total. This is a great time to earn a bunch of subs, maybe some, some, uh, at least status and earn points in a profitable way. Another type of payment that you can make using a credit card is your property taxes. And the best way to do this is probably gonna be PayPal bill pay. And I'm going to turn it over to Matt at this point to give us a rundown of what to know about PayPal Bill Pay, which is fun yes. to say, by the way, PayPal Bill yeah. Pay. Say that five times. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is a, a good catchy name. So, 
similar to some of the tax processors that we talked about for the income tax, well, and other IRS-related tax payments. PayPal bill pay is basically the same thing. It is a payment processor for certain types of uh, bills that you have to pay. The, the convenient thing is it's a way to allow you to capitalize on earning rewards and in many cases do it without fees depending on who you're paying and, and how they're set up. So basically, a lot of times we'll see utility companies or local municipalities or, or other types of entities set up on PayPal bill pay as a way to allow their users or customers to be able to make process, make payments for whatever they're trying to pay. The nice thing is that in most cases, if you're set up on PayPal bill pay as a, as a vendor, essentially, more often than not, the credit, there's no credit card fee that the user has to pay to process that payment. So unlike, you know, some of these 1.82, 1.85, you know, whatever it might be percent with the IRS payment processors, if, if whoever you're trying to pay, your county water company or property taxes or a, a number of other ones, you might be able to pay them with a credit card through PayPal bill pay and have no fee. We've, we see tons of our users in 10X Travel community have this option and are always seeing people discovering it and very excited when that is because a lot of people have to pay a lot of property tax. That's the biggest one. That's why we kind of mentioned it, but there are other ones, insurance, you know, car tax, you know, who knows whatever kind of taxes there might be depending on who you're paying. But property tax for a lot of people, especially in some states and locations is, is a very big bill. So to, for most people, it's just a, a bank draft or maybe a check or something. But if, if you have the option to pay it on a credit card, that's a good one. Basically, you can, it's, and for most cases, it's a, it's a once a year transaction. So if you can be strategic about it and time a, a bigger sign-up bonus, depending on the, the amount of property taxes you have to pay, that can be a really, really good strategic way to, to meet a sign-up bonus with a transaction you already have to pay. I feel like if Travis were here, he'd have a lot to say about the property taxes. <laughs> In Texas, for sure. Yeah, Texas, yeah. <laughs> California, New York, a few other states come to mind uh, for this, for sure. And correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but PayPal bill pay is entirely free for anyone to use, right? There's not a monthly fee or sign-up fee, anything like that? Correct. Yeah, you just have to have a PayPal account. And the way you actually process the payment is you have to log into PayPal into your account and you'll go over to the side and you'll see basically, I think it says bills. So you click that, there's a whole workflow for searching for who you're trying to pay. So you would pull up your, you know, whatever the, the name of the entity is on the bill that you receive, whether it's property, utility, whatever it might be. And so, yeah, some sometimes people do actually have a hard time finding who they're trying to pay because it's not necessarily an intuitive way that they've set themselves up for search. So, you know, if you don't find it right away, ask around or Google it, or, or maybe just kind of try to be creative with how you come up with what they might be registered under. Because we have had seen some cases where people have know that the, the entity they're trying to pay is in there, but they can't pull it up to be able to, to, to set up the trend, the transaction. But so it might, you might not find it on your first try. We should say you might not find it, period, right? There's a fair number well, true. of yeah. municipalities and such that wouldn't be on there at all. There's also like uh, something that makes it slightly tricky, which is a lot of times if you go to a website, it'll have the option to pay through PayPal. That's not what you're trying to do here. Like You don't want to go through the, the merchant website. You need to log in first to PayPal, like you're saying, and like navigate that way. Don't go... Don't start with the merchant because then you'll just end up paying like with whatever bank account is linked to your PayPal. 
Yeah, or your PayPal balance. PayPal side, I think, and how they they yeah. set that up. I think they could do better at distinguishing the two, but that's a separate argument. Basically, when you log into PayPal, you'll you'll in your account almost act like you're trying to send some people money because then usually you can navigate the option of am I sending somebody money, am I giving somebody money, or am I requesting money from somebody or paying a bill. Those are usually the choices or some variation of that in the payment section of your PayPal account. That's what you're trying to do for PayPal bill pay. Yeah. Uh, one other yep. sort of related item to this too is, you know, a lot of people, if you own property, good chance you have a mortgage payment. Most people either don't realize it or don't understand the logistics of it. But within your mortgage payment, you're paying a couple different things. You're paying your actual principal, the amount of money you borrowed for for the property you bought. A lot of times you're paying uh, your insurance payment and your property taxes. I'll go in there, go to an escrow account, and they pay this same payment every year on your behalf. Depending on your your setup with your lender or what your balance is or the, the amount you still have left, a lot of times you can decouple either the both the insurance or the property taxes from that mortgage payment. So instead of uh, routing that to an escrow account for them to pay on your behalf at the end of the year, you could uh, separate that and be responsible for it, which would allow you the option to pay, in m- many cases, your insurance and or property taxes on your own instead of through escrow and you know, through a credit card potentially to earn a bonus. So that's something else to look into too, if you haven't or are not aware of it, to be able to use those transactions to to earn some points as well. One other use case I've seen too, like unrelated to taxes is tuition. Like if you're a student, a lot of times you might be able to pay your your school, your college, your university, whatever, through PayPal bill pay too, and rack up a ton of rewards that way. That's a great option. Do you know if there's a distinction between like public versus private being on PayPal bill, ca- bill pay more often or not. I feel like just don't. instinctively, I'd want to say that there yeah. might be more public universities that are on there just by default. But yeah. That's just that's, completely arbitrary. That's probably, that's probably a fair guess. I don't know off the top of my head, but now I will find out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, that's another great option, especially if depending, you know, if somebody gets a loan for their tuition or something, I don't know if the, how they still do it now, but in my day, you know, you would get a check from whoever you borrowed the money from, and then you could, or at least that was an option, then you could pay it how you wanted. If that's still the case for a lot of people, you know, this would be yeah. another great option, similar to kind of the property tax and insurance route. Yep. So I guess to this point, we've discussed the fact that there are ways to pay these large sums of money on credit cards, whether it's income tax, you know, other types of personal taxes or state and local taxes, taxes related to owning a home, or as we just discussed, tuition. So you can pay large sums on credit cards, but usually there's a small fee. So we want to think about when you should do that. Like, when does that make sense? What should people be thinking about? And how, how do you actually determine what, what you're giving up and where you're going to get? So I guess I'll, I'll toss it to Emily, if you're willing to take this next part, Emily, and on yeah. when should you pay your taxes on a credit card? Yeah. Well, the first thing is make sure you're getting the value out of it. Like really the the most sense or like the the time it makes most sense to to use a credit card to pay for these types of things is when you're going to be earning like a sign up bonus or just a, a large chunk of points. So, we'll walk through an example of of the math, but if you're just going to put your your tax bill on a credit card that earns you like 1x points and you're not earning a sign up bonus, Depending on how high that bill is, it might not be worth it based on how much the the fee is going to cost. So it's an exercise in doing the math, making sure it's it's worth it. And then the other piece of it is make sure that you have the cash to pay off 
your tax bill that you've just paid on a credit card. Cause sometimes the taxes, the, the bills can be pretty large. So, you know, don't, don't get yourself into trouble with like paying interest on your taxes that you just paid on a credit card. Well said. Yeah. We, we do see a fair number of folks that ask about like using 0% interest cards for this sort of thing, which is always, always scares me candidly because it's one of those things where like, yes, does it work in theory? Sure. You could open a 0% card, use it to pay your taxes, kind of float that money for 12 or 18 months, put it in a high interest savings account, you know, all the things that people do. But doing that kind of opens up the risk of, hey, circumstances change or, you know, something else happens and now you can't pay that bill. And now you're effectively kind of carrying tax debt, but with a bank and it's at a super high interest rate and that will get out of control very, very quickly. So I always say, don't even try, don't even bother. It's not worth like the, you know, few dozen dollars that you earn in interest these days on cash that's just parked somewhere. But that is something if you're confident with how 0% interest cards work and you're kind of in that world, that is an option that that is open to you. If it you understand kind of what you're getting into. Yeah. Kind of like your, For sure. your outline. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why there's so many of those awful commercials. Speaking of awful, like song commercials about like, do you owe money to the IRS or the government? Like, you know, call us and we'll help you today. Like that's, that's gotta be what's happening here, right? This has gotta be one of the best feeders for it. They probably should have sponsored this episode. I did Anyone see, that, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but the, I think it was H&R Block maybe is now offering like an advanced loan on the tax refund that you could get. And yeah, that- I've seen that for the last couple of years. Has, okay, has it been around? I, mm-hmm. I, that scares me. <laughs> I don't know why, but that just scares me. <laughs> I'm sure that's a discount rate that's unpleasant to see when it's actually like on paper, but- Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So you got to do the math, got to make sure you're kind of coming out ahead. I'd say perhaps the most common scenario, which it's a no brainer, makes sense to do this is if you're meeting a minimum spend or knocking out a minimum spend, if you will. This is when you open a new credit card, you have to spend a certain amount of money in a certain amount of time to get the bonus that's up front. For most credit cards, that minimum spend is somewhere in like the three to $5,000 range for the first three months is the most common one. But there's a handful of cards that have a much heftier bonus that requires a higher min spend. I'm talking upwards of 15, 20, maybe even $30,000 in the first six months or a year. So for the average person, that amount of spending through normal organic expenses is probably not going to happen except for these opportunities. So when you have a large tax bill, the best way I think to get the most value out of it is consider opening up a new card, especially one with a big minimum spend and using this expense to hit that minimum spend almost immediately. So that I'd say is the most common one, but let's keep on going down the list here. Emily, Matt, feel free to jump in on, on other kind of scenarios that might make sense to use a credit card to pay taxes, even with a fee. Yeah. The, the other one that, that comes to mind is using a card that has an elevated earning rate. So anything with like 1.5 X or two X per dollar, if you're not working on a minimum spend, you don't, you don't want to just put it on a card that earns 1x, try and find something that, that's going to get you a more value, at least to offset the fee that you're going to pay for, for using a credit card. Absolutely. We've talked, uh, most of this episode's been geared towards income tax payment, because that's, that's the big one most people think of. But there are a fair number of personal and business taxes that you can pay through these payment processors. So Bryce kind of hinted at it, but if you're, if you business some of the business cards typically have much higher minimum spend requirements. So 
if you have regular business tax payments you want to make throughout the year and they are offered through some of these payment processors, consider also running those payments through. You'll have to check with your accountant, but there are in, there are situations where some of that times that fee can even be deducted. This you know this is not the case for all, but definitely on the on the business side that is a possibility. So if that's the case, then that that definitely makes it arguably even more worth it to take the time and an effort into running some of those eligible payments through a, a process like this to get rewards, assuming it is. So that's just kind of another situation where it might be worth uh, doing some research, checking with your professional to to see if if you qualify for that and if so that's a, that's another great option yeah and, and the last one here to think about is is using this as an opportunity to make progress toward big spend bonuses i'm talking like the year-long type of challenges that you see maybe it's southwest companion pass like if you can put what is one hundred and thirty thousand of spend uh through those cards and earn a companion pass kind of organically wonderful earning elite status you see some kind of higher-end hotel cards where if you spend 10 15 20 thousand dollars a year or more on that card it can up your status or, or help you earn status a little bit faster or maybe it's like an amex platinum personal where what is it seventy five thousand of spend in a year gets you guest access to the centurion lounge do i guess don't do that. yeah the return on that's pretty low unless you're like a real road warrior but those are the kind of things that you want to be watching out for because large expenses like this that can go intact on on a credit card kind of make those possible in times when they otherwise wouldn't be here's a fun one if you recently got Signed up for the Chase Freedom Unlimited card a few months ago. At the once this episode airs, the offer was basically a double cash back for the first year. So instead of one point five x on every dollar you spend, it was it would ultimately be three percent for non categorized spend. If if you have a big tax bill, you're paying call it one point eight two percent. You're getting three x back in the return in the form of ultimate rewards points on some personal taxes. And if you have a big bill, that that one could be really really valuable for you. Yep. Absolutely. That's a good one. I, although I'd imagine the the credit limit might be a concern. Like you're trying to run a big tax bill through a no fee freedom card, which tends to have lower limits for most folks. That I don't know. Some be aware of might 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 scrape some available credit from all your other Chase cards and shift it over there you <laughs> for a couple months just to try yeah. and make it get through. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about some specific cards to consider here in a minute. A few other things to note. First thing is that you want to schedule payments in advance of the due date as it can take a few business days to process. I feel like this is good tax advice just in general outside of using credit cards, but please don't be that person who, you know, emails us or shows up in the group on April 14th or the morning of the 15th and is like, okay, so tell me how to make this payment like now. You're probably too late. <laughs> Shoot to give yourself a little bit of cushion here so you're not sweating it. Speaking of giving yourself time, you're going to want to give yourself time to get approved for any new cards that you might want to use for taxes to earn a sub. So same scenario, if it's April 10th and you're like, hey, I really want to get a new card to, to pay these taxes that I have coming up in five days, not going to work out so well. I'd say give yourself 30 days would be ideal oh, yeah. for a card to be approved. Especially if it's a business card. Yeah, for sure. If you don't buy mid-March, have a game plan for how you're doing this. Even if you're still working with your accountant to figure out the final numbers, whatever, you know, generally speaking by mid-March, you should have a good idea that, hey, I owe a bunch of money or whatever it might be. Start figuring out your card plan. Most cards at a minimum have a three-month minimum spend window. So there's no point in waiting sort of to the last minute to at least open it, especially if you're planning on, on meeting the minimum spend with some tax payments. Might be a good idea as well to give your bank a heads up of a large incoming purchase, <laughs> particularly if it's a new card. I imagine that if you, you know, open the mail, here's your shiny new credit card, and 30 minutes later, you're trying to 
put a $15,000 charge on that card, that's probably going to get flagged by the bank, card frozen, all sorts of issues. So be aware of that, just like any other large purchase. Yeah. Yeah. I My last piece of advice would be, we see this happen a lot. Like People wait until the last minute to try and, and get a card. And there are very few cards that will give you an instant card number. I think Amex is, is one of the only ones. And even then you can't count on it 100% of the time. They could approve you and, and not give you that option. So just be a planner and think about it before, <laughs> before uh, April comes around. Agreed. 100%. That's always a, a bit of a stressful time, I feel like, in the group and, and for the staff and trying to like, help people move through that timeline because everyone wants to move so much faster than you know, most banks just are normally going to move. Like Everything tax-related, bank-related is not going to move at a speed that you're hoping for. So give yourself plenty of extra time for all, all the mechanics that are going to go into this. So let's transition to best cards to use to pay your taxes. And I know Matt mentioned a, a particular Freedom Unlimited offer, which as far as I know, at the time of, of anyone listening to this, is, is not going to be available for anyone to get. So if you didn't jump on that, I wouldn't count on being able to find that. But let's talk about some other cards that you can find that would be worth considering here for a large tax payment, kind of for the average person, if you will. So feel free to hop on in and list ones that you would consider yourself, and I'll do the same. I think the first the first answer is just whatever card you already are working on the sign up bonus for. Like if you didn't really think that this could be an option for you to strategically pay your your cards with or pay your taxes with a card and you already have a card open that you're working on the minimum spend for, just use that one, knock it out and move on to the next thing. But beyond that, we actually have some specific card recommendations too. But that is the best one to start with, of course. Like, here's our recommendation. Okay, take out your wallet, walk up to a mirror, hold it up to the mirror. That one, like whatever's <laughs> in slot number one, that one. Yeah. In terms of a specific card recommendation, this one's going to be very situational for some people. Like, it's probably not going to be a mass market option. But for people with primarily businesses with a big tax liability this year, like six figures, the Capital One Ventrex business is, is a strong one to look at. At the time we're recording this, the offer is kind of a tiered offer. You get 150,000 miles once you spend $20,000 in the first three months. And then when you spend an additional 80,000 to top to make it 100,000 total in the, in the first six months, you get an additional 150,000 miles. So basically a combined 300,000 bonus miles after spending $100,000, as I kind of outlined before, you'd end up with 400,000 miles total. No, 500. You'd end up with 500,000 miles total with the 2x per dollar on yeah, the spend. 2x. $100,000. Yeah, that, like I said, that is not going to be for, for many people, but primarily business focused there, that would be a, a pretty, pretty strong option for you. Yeah. I mean, even if you just meet the $20,000 minimum spend, you're still ending up with 150,000 venture miles. Like that's a pretty strong start. Agreed. That's got to be the biggest one that, at least as of the time of this recording, that anyone could tackle spend-wise. The other common one that people tend to consider here is the, the Business Platinum card from American Express. This one has typically a $15,000 minimum spend, although you will see varied offers on that one that are targeted or through card match or whatever. So it's going to generally be in that range, but that's one of the higher minimum spends that you need for pretty much any card. Again, it's a business card, so, so business owners here would be considering this. But you know, this might be that one time every year in which a lot of people can consider that American Express Business Platinum card and would not be able to consider it at any other time of the year worth looking into. Those are bonus ones. And of course, as Emily mentioned, the card that you're earning the bonus on 
at the moment or was normally in your plan is going to be the best one. But I also want to talk about cards with just higher earn rates, cards that even if you set the bonus aside, their earn rate on normal spend is just high enough to consider using for a large purchase like this. There's a handful of them. And Emily, Matt, feel free to jump in and, and grab anyone that you like. Yeah. Another good one for business owners is the Amex Blue Business Plus, which earns 2x on every purchase up to $50,000 per calendar year. So if you've got a larger tax bill, earning 2x on that can easily offset any fees that, that you would pay. If you've got a 20K bill, you'll end up with 40,000 points. So that can do a and lot. E- <laughs> yeah. And even at a, a baseline redemption on <laughs> membership rewards points, you're still coming out ahead. You come out even further ahead if you can get a sort of outsized value on the redemption too. So back to what we were talking about in terms of does the math work on paying the fee even when you're not working on a sign-up bonus? That's a, that's a great option. Absolutely. One in particular that, I, that I'm thinking of that might be the easiest kind of arbitrage or profit, if you will, would be the, the Chase Inc. Premier. This is the, the cashback only one that most people, in, especially in, like in, the, in the points and miles space and travel, wouldn't have a whole lot of use for. But that card does earn 2.5% cash back on any charge greater than $5,000. So if your tax bill is over 5K and you're paying a fee of what 1.86% or you know, just below 2%, if you use that card earning 2.5% cash back, you're actually making a cash back arbitrage, just straight money right back into your pocket for using that card. And that 2.5% is available on all ongoing spend, not just for a bonus period, but the charge has to be over $5,000 in a single swipe. Someone yeah. Emily mentioned, and we talked about a little bit, but uh, other Capital One cards, the Venture and the Venture X on the personal side, and then the Spark Business on the business side, in addition to the Venture X business we talked about before. All those earn 2X on every dollar every day, as I'm sure you've heard in the commercials. So you're, you're paying yeah about 1.8% or so, give or take. You're at a minimum coming back with 2% or 2X points per dollar. And if you can get a halfway decent redemption, you'll come out even further ahead on that. So can be easily worth worth the fee for sure. You know, as we're going through this, I'm sitting here wondering like, maybe the IRS should launch a co-brand credit card. <laughs> this is the IRS platinum card. Like cardholders automatically get their tax filing date deferred to October 15th and earn three <laughs> X points on all tax payments made to the government. Yeah. Yeah, and you get like a higher you get a higher earn rate if you pay earlier. Can you get IRS that. status? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Our silver uh, platinum yeah. elite get out of one audit per year. Yeah. Lower chance of getting audited. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if there yes. was like a priority helpline that you could call and they pick up on the first ring, kind of like how many airlines have. I mean, that's something. So they should offer like a translation service as a benefit. Like you get a, some mail from the IRS and you just fully don't know what it means. And they're like, here, <laughs> use this app and it will speak English to you. <laughs> That's Solving problems that they create. Love it. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> there we go. So I'm going to write my local congressperson and tell them, hey, I have an idea to address the budget shortfall of government. You should launch a co-brand <laughs> credit card. <It'd> be amazing. <laughs> So those are a few cards with higher earn rates. Really, at that kind of 1.8% fee range, I think there's a fair amount of cards that are at least going to roughly break even when you look at the value that you earn there. So the ones that we mentioned are certainly not an exhaustive list. It all just comes down to kind of doing that math and determining, are the points that I'm earning from this greater than a 1.86% fee? That's what you have to ask yourself. 
We're going to do a specific example of that here in a minute, going through the actual numbers. But before we do that, I want to mention the last kind of part of cards to use to pay taxes. Maybe if you're not earning a bonus, and that factor is that cards that might help you earn status. You can find many airline and hotel co-brand cards and otherwise that will uh, accelerate your status earning based on hitting certain spend thresholds. We'll talk about a, a few of those here right now. Go ahead and hop in <laughs> when, when, grab when you like. I think one of the, the key things here is that none of these cards are going to like spending on them. None of them are going to get you completely to elite status. There's always like a flying element to them too, travel element. So these can help, but I wouldn't bank on any of these getting you to like platinum, whatever status. <laughs> yeah. The first one would be any of the American Airlines credit cards since American has kind of added that spend component to their loyalty program. I'm not going to try to go into the exact numbers of, of how much spend gets you into which status here, because those could change at any moment. They, they do pretty frequently. And it could vary based on a number of other factors that you have going on in your kind of AA account or in your kind of travel life, if you will. But those cards are one type to consider. But I do want to mention about those, as well as any of these status earning cards, I would encourage anyone who's chasing this to actually look at what you tangibly get. Because a lot of times, like the cliche, cliche scenario that I see at least showing up in my inbox with questions is, is usually one of like, okay, Bryce, if I spend like another $10,000, I get to like gold status on AA. And like, I definitely want to do that. And I'll always reply and I'll say, why? And I'll say, okay, like I earn status, you know, and then we go back and forth. Okay, but, but what, do you, what do you actually get? And, and in most cases, they haven't actually read that. It's like, oh, well, I might get priority boarding and like a free check bag or where mo most people will say, oh, it'll give me upgrades. But candidly, if you're going from kind of lowest status to like one off the lowest status with spend, it's not as if you're going to start showing up in airports and every flight is upgraded now. Long way of saying, just look into what you're actually getting because it's, it's often not going to be as good as most people would assume. And with airlines, they, they do that fun game where every status sounds like the highest, like gold. The average person gold <laughs> sounds like the highest status. No, like that's what one that's off like, the bottom for AA. Same yeah. Like Marriott Hilton, all that kind of stuff. You know, everything sounds like you're at the top of the mountain. Yep. It's also Hyatt cards, both the business card and the personal card. You can get elite nights if you spend upwards of five, ten thousand $10,000 per year. I know other hotel co-brand cards are going to have similar offers. Just be sure to do the math. Make sure that that's truly your best return on spend. In a lot of cases, chasing like a, a single free night cert that's limited to like category four or five and under is not the best use of your spending capacity, but that is an option to be aware of out there. Okay, so we're doing a podcast about taxes. Really fun topic. But now we're going to double down on fun topics. We're going to talk about math and taxes here in this next section. <laughs> so, Emily, get out your whiteboard. Buckle up, kids. You came for the entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Let's walk I through an example of the math of, of paying an income tax on like a particular situation. Emily, do you want to walk us yeah. through the most fun combination of topics ever in podcasting? Oh, yeah. I, I really, really do. So <laughs> to kind of illustrate what we mean when we say you can come out ahead, even though you're paying a fee on using a credit card to pay your taxes, which doesn't sound fun. Let's say you have like a $20,000 income tax bill. So that's due in April. You really want to maximize it. You're going to pick one of the three payment processors that we picked in the beginning of the, uh, that we talked about in the beginning of the episode. So obviously you would want to go with the cheapest one, but let's just say for some reason, 
You maybe don't. The highest you'll pay on a 20K tax bill and fees is $396. So knowing you have $20,000 that you need to spend, are required to spend, I would pick a card with a high minimum spend requirement like the Capital One Venture Business. Matt kind of walked through what the the offer is at the time of recording. And at a bare minimum, it's 150,000 points after spending $20,000 in the first three months. So you can easily knock that out with one payment of your income tax. And then you have 150,000 venture miles. If you value those at like the absolute lowest, like say you redeem them for a statement credit or something in the in the Capital One Travel Portal, those points are worth one cent per point. So $1,500. And even if that's all you get out of them, you are coming out ahead by about $1,100 after you subtract the the $396 in fees that you paid. But the reality is that you can actually get way more value out of those points by transferring them to travel partners. So I went ahead and, and tried to find one of the more expensive things that you can do with 150,000 venture miles. And that is fly ANA first class to Tokyo. And ANA is part of a of Star Alliance. So their flights are bookable with partner airlines. So just because you can't transfer Capital One venture miles to ANA doesn't mean you can't transfer them to a different partner. So you can transfer them to Avianca Life Miles. And for 120,000 life miles, you can book a first class flight from Chicago to Tokyo with your Capital, Capital One venture miles. And that ticket, the cash price is around $10,000. So if you do that math, now you are getting... You're coming out ahead $9,600 after paying some minor fees on your income tax bill. So, I mean, I, I didn't get you home from Tokyo, but like, I feel like <laughs> <laughs> you're on your own. Well, think of all the savings when you just never come home and you don't pay taxes in the future. And it's oh, like, yeah. anyway, you know, so there you go. <laughs> so that's just one example. I mean, I'm, you can do a lot of things with 150,000 venture miles that would that would put you way out ahead. So if you have any other thoughts on how you'd want to spend them, I'm all yours. Maybe a flight yeah, I feel like home. We could, <laughs> we could do an entire episode kind of on how to spend 150,000 Capital One miles. And, and I guess we have done similar type of prompts in the past. And, and we do have articles like that on the website as well to check out. But I think the, the bottom line here, the important thing to know is you open a new card, you pay, you know, call it $396 of fees. And for that, you get a value that is at least $1,500 toward really any kind of travel, but could be upwards of $10,000 if you use your points and miles well. So kind of a no-brainer decision for just about anyone, as long as you have uh, the budget to kind of take on those, those smaller fees. I want to move on to talk about other tax implications that, that you need to be aware of kind of uh, with the, this hobby. This is, to, to be clear, outside of paying your tax with the credit cards, this is just kind of closing the loop on taxes and points and miles. So the first thing to know is that generally, and again, we're not professionals or tax professionals or really competent accountants, but generally <laughs> speaking, credit card points and miles are not taxable with some rare exceptions. This is because credit card points and miles are generally viewed as a rebate by the IRS and rebates are not taxable, kind of like coupons. Sign up bonuses and welcome offers also consider rebates since they're from spending on the cards. However, the one situation that people encounter in points and miles that will result in a taxable event is generally going to be referrals. 
if you refer someone to open a credit card and are given a sum of points and miles or cash back for doing so, that sum or its value as determined by the bank is going to be taxable. And if you hit certain thresholds, mainly $600 in total per year, you're actually going to get a 1099 from the bank as if they paid you for you know any other type of service. This tends to come as a surprise for a lot of people in the points and miles hobby for, I guess, two reasons. Number one, they didn't read the course closely where we mentioned, hey, this can happen. <laughs> so I highly recommend read our course. But number two, this often leads to a lot of confusion because people don't realize that that 1099 in tax burden is coming from a referral. And then they'll uh, start telling people or make some kind of claim, oh, wow, I got a tax bill for my points and miles. And then people start freaking out because they assume, oh, no, all of the points and miles I earned are going to be taxable, which for especially for the hosts on this podcast and for a lot of our readers, that would be very, very expensive. And a fun April Fool's joke about seven years ago that we did. <laughs> but the you will get 1099. You do need to claim that on your taxes. You know, Talk to a tax professional if you have kind of questions on how that works. But the bottom line thing to know there is that this only contemplates points that are given for referrals. So you're not going to get a massive tax bill for all the bonuses and points that you earn throughout the year. It's generally going to be you know, a few hundred bucks, depending on your yeah. tax rate. And most importantly, you're still coming out ahead. No one yeah. likes paying taxes, right? But if you're paying $100 of taxes for the 50,000 American Express points that you earn by referring your friends, you know, 50,000 Amex points worth a lot more than $100, even if redeemed poorly. So keep, do keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. The goal is to not avoid referring people. You still like still refer people. Just know that this could come. <laughs> I was, will come. This is taxes, yes. Emily. It's not good. Well, it will come. Unless, <laughs> unless it's under, unless it's under six hundred dollars in value, then it might not come. That's true. I'd be, yeah. I'd be curious to see like a, a chart of all the valuations and how banks kind of value their points. Like I'm picturing like Amex, like hoity toity, like our oh, points are worth two cents each, and <laughs> Discover being like ours are worth point two cents each, and like <laughs> this could be fun. Yeah. I was trying to look back on when they first started sending out the 1099s for for referrals. And I think it was within the past like few years, like maybe three or four years ago. I don't, don't, don't quote reason. me on that, yeah. but yeah. but it seems like one bank got in trouble yeah. for not disclosing in. So yeah. naturally they're all covering themselves. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, that was a fun year when they just started showing up because they didn't like announce like we're gonna start doing this, but then we just were getting Dozens of emails from readers like, whoa, 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 why am I getting 1099s from these banks? Like, yeah. Oh, I guess they changed their mind. Maybe they read our yeah. April Fool's post. Well, if you have um, a, a tax professional helping you file your taxes and they charge you based on the number of forms that you send them, this could also be fun. <laughs> factor that into your math. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Kind of, kind of related to one other scenario we see is like business owners who pay accountants, you know, by the hour, kind of a variable rate. And then you layer on like, oh, hey, I have four new business credit cards that you need to kind of put into QuickBooks or whatever and sync up. And they're like, oh, that, that rate just went up. So you have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> but generally coming out ahead. Yeah. So that's taxes and points and miles. Wanted to ask, Matt, Emily, any final thoughts, songs that you wanted to <laughs> sing on this podcast so that I'm not alone before I jump into some final thoughts here? I think you're all on your own. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's well, a great it's a strategy. When it, before I was here at 10X, I had my own business for a long time. And towards the the last few years of it, when I was doing it full time, I was 
when I saw the light and learned that this was an opportunity, I was every quarter I was paying taxes on a card and meeting as many bonuses as I can. And it, it's super lucrative. We see a lot of people in our group doing the same thing. And it makes a annoying and painful thing that we have to do a little bit slightly less painful and annoying. It might be the best benefit. It's just kind of like, hooray, free vacation yeah. for paying taxes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is a good one. Yep. All right. To wrap it up, I want to mention that we are here to help you make the most of your points and miles this year, even the ones that you earn by paying your taxes. To get the most out of it, sign up for 10X Travel Plus, our paid membership program, and use one of your free one-on-one consultations to plan your 2024 strategy, or maybe to walk through and say, hey, let's see if uh, paying uh, taxes with a credit card makes sense for you. We can actually look at your particular scenario. Be sure to manage your points and miles using our free tool, My10X. And check out the My Next Card feature, which takes all the guesswork out of finding the next best credit card for your particular situation. Be sure to join our Facebook group, where we now have over 300,000 people come together to share their points to miles knowledge. And finally, enroll or revisit or brush up on our free course that teaches you how to travel the world for next to nothing. You'll find that linked in the show notes or at 10xtravel.com course. For all of us here on the 10x Travel team, I'm Bryce Conway. Thank you for listening to Take Off, a points to miles podcast by 10x Travel. We'll see you next time. Bye now. Bye-bye.